Recorded live. You're listening to the Sham Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Here's a piece of nation talk about Nestor's views. A talk show, Sham Radio Productions, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. <laughs> This is your Sunday evening form, Nature Talk. Nature Talk is a live public affairs and news program that deals with issues concerning you from the studios of Savannah, Georgia. Conversation call 1724-444-7444. Call ID number 55519-POUND. That's 1724-444-7444. Call ID number 55519-POUND. than that old bulb in your lamp. Uh, yeah, well, I don't even live here. Matthew, dinner's ready. I never met that woman. It's your favorite, Matt. Lasagna. Don't you people knock? Just give me the energy saver. Millions of kids are using their energy wisely. What's your excuse? Learn more at loseyourexcuse.gov. I'm in the car next to you on the highway. I sit in front of you on the bus. I'm one out of every six Americans and I'm struggling with hunger. This isn't an uncontrollable epidemic. There's enough food in this country to feed every hungry person. Please, visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Sham Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of TalkShoe, Jam Radio Productions, and sponsors. This is Nation Talk.
welcome to Nation Talk, your Sunday evening from 1724-444-7444, call ID number 55519-POUND. Tonight, we're going to drug, drug school. Yeah, heard me right. We are going to drug school. We're going to take you to school, to drug school. There's a program that's on television, and it's an interesting program called Drugs, Inc. Uh, We're going to play a segment of that. Plus, we've got news and views as well. Ever since the opiate um, epidemic, we've been getting more and more um, reported opiate overdoses, opiate deaths, and the, the numbers don't lie. It's it's really it's a high it's high in numbers. And um, it, law enforcement is doing all what they can do to take it off the streets. But as soon as you arrest one, you got somebody else selling it, and then you got another death, or maybe a death. Another death. Let's say, go ahead and say this: another death. Somebody dying of the same of the, the drug. And because I'm doing this because, well, one, that's one of the reasons. Two, we have this marijuana issue now. Legal, the legalizing marijuana. Now, there's also states right now where they already passed the law in some in some of the states to have marijuana legal. It's supposed to be quote unquote med- medical marijuana for medicinal uses. Now, if that's going, since we have that now. Then have they thought about the fatalities on my smoking smoking pot and driving? Where they arrest somebody that they find they're under the influence under the influence of this control it is a controlled substance. Before years ago you could not you could you had to really Sneak around and buy pot. I mean, you, you got if you, and if you find if you, and if you found an uh, ounce of marijuana or whatever or whatever amount amount of marijuana, the police would go to the police or or 
um, some federal authority is going to pop you. Now, has has our nation gone crazy? Is it me, or is this this world just getting it's getting to, it's getting to the point that they just don't care enough of themselves to use this stuff, knowing it is once you smoke it and you be under influence of it. Smoking this wacky weed that you gonna get high. You go, you go, you go get high, and you go, and you're gonna, uh, you gonna, might want to drive, or you might drive and get killed. You might end up doing something stupid. Who knows? So this is why I'm. That's why tonight. We're going to drug school. And the best teachers, I can say, the best teachers for drug drug school are the ones who put it out there. Drugs, Inc. is a very interesting program. I believe you can find it on on your National Geographic channel. Whatever channel you 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 watch it on in your city, you can find it on there. It is a very interesting program. I got a chance to watch some of it. I watched it this weekend. Watched some of it this weekend. Interesting. These guys, these men and women, they sell these drugs. To make to make money, they, they do. I mean, they I mean they make good money. They make money off of this, and it's too it's ridiculous. Some of them make this. Some of them do it because of the economic situation. Because of economic situations, some do it because. They want to make make it big in the drug in the drug world. So give close pay close attention to this to this to this uh this segment. As we take you to drug school now. School is now in session. This program shows drugs being made, sold, and used. It features graphic content that may not be suitable for all audiences. Your discretion is advised. Chicago, the drug hub of the Midwest. And one of the most dangerous cities in the United States. I'll kill you, There's nothing. One event is more bloody than any other. The of July. There's a lot of execution going down that day. When the city's grudges explode onto the streets. When firecrack is going off and blends in with a gunshot. That's the best time to shoot. It's 
just six days until the July 4th weekend. And in one of Chicago's most deadly regions, the South Side, there's a surge in demand for the city's most popular illegal stimulus, cocaine. For Chicago's cocaine kingpins, there's serious money to be made. My goal is making 10 million, million, 10 million, get the fuck out of In the South Side Trap House, Nacho is adding cut to his last kilo of cocaine. We got straight raw over here. That's a brick right there. In Nacho's trap, you break down the coke naked. This girl right here, I don't really worry about nothing, but at the same time, I leave no doubts. Take the shirt off and before you know, everybody gets searched. Just in case somebody else is out here and she don't get blamed for it. By cutting the coke. Nacho can increase volume by 50%. Basically, what I did with that, I took 25 ounces and I put 12 ounces of cut on it. It's still going to come back. It's still going to cook. It's still going to jump. That's all you care about here, as long as it cooks. As a wholesaler, Nacho pays $28,000 for a kilo of cocaine. But the profits can be huge. I put anywhere from 36000 to $40,000 off the brick. When I break it down, if I'm selling a whole brick, you know, I sell it for 32. I make me a quick 4,000. Sometimes you get rid of five bricks a week. Sometimes I like to get rid of it fast, you know, just keep it going and keep my plugs happy. With just one kilo left, Nacho will need a lot more product for the 4th of July. 4th of July, food is coming from everywhere. Like a party, yeah. Well, I can make anything from a hundred to two hundred thousand just that one week. The holiday is approaching. If Nacho is going to make two hundred thousand dollars, he needs to re up and fast. I'm going to bring you twenty bricks for Fourth of July, so you don't want to have no regrets. Smuggling twenty kilos of cocaine into Chicago carries a huge risk. A good driver is the most important thing. You pay the driver anywhere five to ten thousand each trip. Nacho needs a driver he can trust. You gotta know your family, I know your mom, I know your daughter, I know your grandma, I know your auntie, I know your sister. If you ain't coming back, you need to get beat up and get laid down. Yeah, well, you know, I bring in, okay, I bring in time because if it's feasible, the price is right. Driver Pepper gets paid five to ten thousand dollars a trip to traffic matches cocaine. Because I heard the camouflage, there is nowhere on earth you gotta go there without a truck. So when you're out there in a truck, you're not alone. Most of America's cocaine comes over the border from Mexico for storage and distribution hubs across the southern states. Pepper has picked up twenty kilos from a hub in Phoenix, Arizona. I've done the Take about 3,000 keys of cocaine back. If I know what I'm going to get, then I know what kind of space I need for this and To counter the rising tide of traffickers smuggling drugs to the 4th of July, Chicagoland cops have thrown up a ring of steel around the city. When you have a holiday coming here, that's a major holiday, you move ahead now. Because you don't want to be out there on holiday. Everybody know on holiday, stay true to our train, get out there, do seat belts, green checks. One wrong move, and he could be spending the rest of his life behind bars.
it up to the old and I was loaded all I do. So they looked me in my eyes, I looked in the air. So everybody is not a good actor like me. Pepper's route takes him along I-80, right into the teeth of the police operation. To smuggle Nacho's cocaine into the city, he needs to get past these guys. I love the game itself, and, and that's what this is. This, this, this is a game that's played, uh, and it's definitely a chess game, where uh, you have to keep three steps ahead of the evolving drug process. Your mindset changes when you go into patrol. You go into a hypervigilant mode where you're watching everything that's around you, always cognizant of your surroundings, and just always on the lookout for things that just don't look right. Investigator Mike and Detective Eddie are at the forefront of Cook County's fight against drug traffickers. My hope, as in every day, is to rid the world of all bad people. So if we can get one or two off the street this evening, that would make the world that much more of a better place.
Well, there's so much product heading into Chicago for the 4th of July. The cops can't stop everything. I'm going to have a nice little bit of tonight. I'm going to need the for me and my people. Pepper has smuggled Nacho's cocaine past the cops. But the danger doesn't end there. The stick-up crews are watching. We sell boat, we sell loud, we sell crap, we rob, kidnap, everything. Show up, son. We looking for them bricks, pounds of weed. The Stain Gang is a south side stick-up crew specializing in robbing drug dealers. We come from the rest everything they got. You think you can go by that big house? Security is on high alert. Got enough weapons to 
Oh, you hear him? I do it full time. There are just a few days to go until July 4th. And the cops are working hard to maintain their ring of steel around Chicago. Due in large part to the 4th of July, it's going to be pretty prevalent to find a car that's bringing party drugs, cocaine, ecstasy, weed. Patrolling in an unmarked police car, Detective Kershell has spotted a woman driving a suspicious vehicle. This came out of a typical location, uh, high narcotics area. Suddenly, the woman turns off. Kershell has to act fast to get his eyes on the suspect and avoid blowing his cover. But in the blink of an eye, he's lost her. So he lies in wait, hoping she'll pass again.
one of the subjects ran to the toilet, started flushing his product down there in the heroin. Wasn't too good because he dropped a couple of pieces on the side of the toilet. He had a big bag. He probably got down about an ounce, ounce of heroin. A bunch of money, baggies, grinders, and everything else. I would paraphernalia go around with it. $9,000? There's a significant amount of money in a house, and that hurts him more. Hurts him in a pocketbook. With the money and the drug paraphernalia, Sergeant Chamber Duca has enough evidence to press for a trafficking charge. But getting one gang off the streets isn't going to stop the 4th of July killing. It seems like the hotter it is, the crazier the violence is. Cameraman Ken Herzlick has been covering the annual 4th of July violence for 22 years. He makes his living following police radios and trying to capture breaking news on camera. I'm listening to 10 radios. I'm trying to come up with something that I think is good. I can listen to 10. I cannot listen to 11. So if I also keep an eye on Twitter, and I'm also listening to all news radio. If they should stick and craziness will happen. Ken is hunting for violence across the city. And it doesn't take him long to find it. 34 minutes after midnight. This is the first shooting of July 4th. Although nobody died at this shooting, a few miles away, a double homicide in West Englewood was playing the first victims of July 4th. Think you could easily get to your family if a disaster struck right now? Think you can wing it during an emergency because you're a New Yorker? Most parents don't realize that protecting your family starts long before an actual disaster strikes. It starts today by being prepared and making a plan. To learn how, take our readiness challenge at nyc.gov slash readynewyork or call 311 for information. In this online tool, you'll be faced with real-life challenges, teaching you the importance of being prepared for a disaster. Brought to you by the New York City Office of Emergency Management and the Ad Council. The Internet is a wonderful resource for kids. But in times like these, the Internet can also increase your child's risk of being a victim of crime. Instruct your child to never give out personal information, like their name, address, or school name without your approval. Teach them about frauds and scams that often appear as friendly emails or offers that are too good to be true. Place your computer where you can see what your child is doing. Use software that prevents access to inappropriate sites and chat rooms. Teach your child what to do if they come across such sites or receive solicitations from strangers. Learn how they're using the Internet and how much time they're spending on it. Let's keep our kids as safe in the cyber world as we try to do in the real one. Visit ncpc.org to learn more about how we can protect our children. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins.
It's the national holiday. Tonight, drug-fueled parties will erupt across Chicago. With so much money and product on the streets, the Stain Gang knows this could be their best chance to make a killing. We always got somebody on time. Members of the gang have been following a target for days, hoping he'll lead them to his stash house. They're following somebody around now, trying to see how he moves. It's just like they started that young. We're going to get up in that spot, though. And we find out where it's at. The tale is noted that the target keeps returning to the same building. And you saw him for a couple of days and he's going for another day. It's the same routine. Obviously, you got to be the stash house. You don't go in and find out. Nearby, street dealer Rambo has re-upped his stash of Molly for his neighborhood's annual 4th of July block party. We got all Molly right here. I've been chopping for a minute to get it all fine. So it's all real quick up in the joint. There's crystals, man. But this one, the crystals right here, it just sticks. They really don't you want to dissolve unless you turn to fine dust. It's time to soon. But the money works it though. I can't do it at the crib, man. That's being too reckless. So I don't know who be watching none of that. Rambo's strategy is to hand out free capsules to attract new customers. I probably have about 800 pills after I finish doing everything. But out of all all 800, I'm gonna probably give away probably 100 of them. Because uh, there's going to be a lot of new people, like every year, a lot of new people come to the block. So, by me passing it out, I get my clientele up and get more customers. Having grown up in the hood, Rambo knows what to expect from Independence Day. On July 4th, it would be a lot of violence, man, because that's the best time to shoot. It's all fireworks going off. There's going to be a, a lot of half-sticks, dynamites going off, all types of You ain't going to be able to really tell... Until the ambulance started getting called. Man down. Outside, the Stain Gang members are scoping out their target. Trying to slow down, maybe slow down. Let's see what he's on. We're coming up on the crib right now. See, you got the white tile there. Let's look at it. How many people we've seen in the hood with $100,000 cop out? One of Rambo's lookouts has spotted a stick-up crew circling the area. I'm going to wrap this up. Let's stash this somewhere else. And let this cool down. My lookouts be out there. They be on point. Once they say it's starting to burn, that's when we move around. Easily come behind me and just stab me in the back or shoot me in the back of the head. Just take all it, man. Right here. Ain't giving us no bread, you know. Ain't feeding our kids. Ain't putting no money in our You got to do some real homework, something. It's like playing chess. That's your team got to be in the play. Hey, check that door for me, dog. The gang members check out the area on foot to get all the intel they need. We take it. 
bag it up, sell it, and do too much. You know, everybody else do all the hard work. Tonight, they're planning to use the cover of the 4th of July fireworks to rob their target. We're kicking the door in. Hey, Found out to the front, and I'm coming through the bag. We're coming in now. It's the 4th of July. Tourists are flocking to Chicago's Navy Pier to get ready for the annual fireworks display. But few outsiders are heading to the south side. Here, the fireworks are used to cover the sound of gunshots. This day is popping. Gunfire fireworks. That's all going to happen tonight. That was going to be good. You're going to crack yeah, all the bitches out tonight. For dealers like Rambo, it's a feeding frenzy. We turned up, but it's now party packs, so I can get customers, get some money, and ride a new Audi. But he has to leave the relative safety of the trap and do business on the street. And on the street, he's vulnerable. So he's gathered his squad. This just got real. Go get hot as hell. and bring the hammer out. Bang, bang. Get this popping, man. Keep up full. This is not a game. Ready to pop this bitch off, man. Fat ass joint, man. We're going to have control in this bitch and, and all the blocks. And come through, we blam their ass. So it's going down tonight. All it is is head shots and heart stops. That's it. <laughs> July party begins. As fireworks go off at Navy Pier, gunfire erupts across the city. And news cameraman Ken Herslick springs into action. The person shot on the south side. The problem is people are shooting each other. They have no patience with each other. There's shooting. Excuse my language, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. 
and trying to look and see what I can get from. I try to grab a bitch coming out the club. This Molly scene might be getting turned on, but for Rambo, it's business as usual. Rambo, I'll kill you. It'd be over a cigarette. <laughs> Short on a cigarette. That's my little no. Rambo, my no. And business means protecting his turf. Everybody know me around there. This squad. Oh, no. It's always back that way, all the way back to the way. It's all squad around huh? On the streets, the atmosphere is already turning sour. Now, we know you. I ain't on your.
They may have made $50,000 in cash and drugs, but it's cost one of their crew his freedom and a rival dealer his life. Right here, we will always have, you know, somebody standing over here watching. Got my boy Cody Jack right now. You got to watch out for him, like that. Right here, you can see everything. A few blocks away, Nacho is back in town, and his crew is already back to work. Jamie Lee Curtis here for RAD, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. What should you do to stop a friend from driving if they've been drinking? Answer, whatever it takes. Think before you drink. Designate before you celebrate. Choose a designated driver. Remember, friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Energy efficiency interviews are brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. Matthew, you know energy-saving light bulbs last six times longer than that old bulb in your lamp. Uh, yeah, well, I don't even live here. Matthew, dinner's ready. I never met that woman. It's your favorite, Matt. Lasagna. Don't you people knock? Just give me the energy saver. Millions of kids are using their energy wisely. What's your excuse? Keep it. 
You're listening to the Tram Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. Now, views and opinions of Nation Talk are not necessarily the views of Talk Show, General Radio Productions, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. in your most recent column that the media keeps losing to Donald Trump. How so? Is it a trap that the journalists are falling into? Yeah, I, I think it certainly is a, a trap, and I think there we're in this unusual position of um, what we think is covering Donald Trump turns out to be, in a sense, actually what we think is debunking Donald Trump turns out to be supporting Donald Trump. So when we fact-check misstatements, he says, that helps them. I think it does. I mean, I think we're doing – he, in every situation, seems to be provoking an overreaction. So we go into a, um, a fit of apoplexy, and what we set up is um, as we try to go after his credibility, our credibility becomes equally a problem. I've heard other people make this argument that there's hysteria from the national news media right now. I don't see individual journalists acting hysterical. But maybe the abundance of coverage comes across that way? Well, first thing, I think that that's not true. I think individual journalists are, um, in many cases, having a nervous breakdown. Um, A good example, uh, The New Yorker. The New Yorker has 100 years, has had one style of journalism, very detailed, very close reporting. Mm -hmm. Since the election, David Remnick, the the editor of The New Yorker, has – has gone off in, in fits of bloviation, never seen in the New Yorker before. No facts, no nothing. He knows, he knows nobody in this new administration has done no reporting, and yet the world is coming to an end in his view. Remnick, if you're watching, come on the program, debate Michael Wolf. But let me, let me channel him for a moment. He said to me at a recent panel discussion, this is an emergency. Journalists have to act differently. Sounds like you just disagree with that. Totally. What, what, what's, what is the emergency other than the fact that he is personally offended and upset and worried? You also made the point about uh, reporting. Uh, you've been doing reporting on this administration, interviewing Kellyanne Conway most recently for a THR profile. What did you take away from your conversation with well, I, I mean, I think actually, I mean, I'm a famous bloviator from, for um, – uh, for many years, and um, and I think that one of the things about this new circumstance in this new administration is that you got to get in, you got to meet these people, you got to talk to these people, you have to see what's going on. Are you and just sucking up to get access to the White House? If I'm sucking up a bit to get access, but I'm also trying to, I am the only person it would seem who is actually having this conversation, and then my conversations with these people then get retailed throughout the media chain. Your columns do get a lot of pickup, that's true, but but is it appropriate to be uh, writing these pieces that are attempting to maybe go a little easy on them in order to gain access? Well, I, I don't think they're necessarily, I don't know what that going easy on them means in this case. I'm going to them and saying, what do you think? What do you believe? Tell me. This is what we want to know. What's going on here? And it's valuable, you're saying, to have those quotes, to have that information. This is what, this is what we have done in every other administration. Yeah. This is a time, this actually, through the transition in these, in these first several weeks, in which the media is, is in, in all past instances, in all past administrations, is asking, should have asked the questions, 
which I am now trying to ask. Who are you? What do you stand for? What are you going to do? Uh, talking about this, this war with the media, that's what Trump calls it, uh, you, you seem to think the media is also at war with Trump. Is that fair? Uh, absolutely. So that's what you see. Can, can I read <laughs> I mean, from your... Yes, I mean, I don't think that there would be anybody who would credibly disagree with this. Many no, journalists no, say absolutely not. This is not a war against Trump. Uh, you know, um, the me it's just like preposterous. Um, and, and also, the interesting thing is then you can follow them on Twitter, where they are having a very personal war with Donald Trump. But very clearly, lying and falsehood. very clearly, at the center of this is this new grail that we have. How are we going to take this guy down? Let me read from your Newsweek column. Now let's put part of it on screen here. You said the media strategy is to show Trump as an inept and craven sociopath. The Trump strategy is to show that media people are hopeless prigs out of touch with the nation. And you mentioned to me, you said the media correspondent for CNN turns to the camera every Sunday morning and delivers a pious sermon about Trump's perfidiousness. I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, tell me about that particular issue. Do you feel that my style is wrong or my substance is wrong, trying to fact-check the president? I, I, I think it's, uh, and I'm, I mean this with um, truly no disrespect, but I think you can uh, border on being sort of quite a ridiculous figure. Um, it's not a good look to s repeatedly and self-righteously defend your own self-interest. The media should not be the story. Every week, in this religious sense, you make it the story. We are not the story. You know, there's room for one hour a week on CNN for this? I, 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 listen, I, I love your show. I just wish you wouldn't turn to the camera and lecture America about the virtues of the media and, and, um, and everyone trying to attack, attack it. The media will be fine. The media doesn't need defending? In this moment? The don't. media does not need defending by the media, certainly. <laughs> okay. um, you, you know, and, and so far the media is, uh, uh, I mean, the New York Times front page looks like it's 1938 in Germany every day. No, um, it does not. Um, Give me a break. The New Yorker is, as I say, has, has, has left all of its standards behind and now become, um, um, uh, you, you know, an opinion vehicle constantly. You either think this is an unusual presidency or you don't, right? Isn't that the divide? Either think this is a highly unusual and, and fact-free world I, well, I think, or you don't. It seems I think, think all, sort I of think, I think like all other presidencies, presidents. all new presidencies are unusual. I think this is unusual, and I think it's actually a great story, and which is why, why I am like um, all of us spending every day on it. So, but. There's a very interesting distinction here, here to make, and, and many people are not making this. We spend time on this story because it's so interesting. True. Um, True. Everybody else, however, is sending, saying we spend time on this story because it's so appalling. So wh wh where is the, where's the reality there? The truth is we really like this. We really want to be on it. We are really um, – it's, it's a, a kind of – golden media age right now. That we can agree on for sure. Michael, good to see you. Thank you for being here. That was Michael Wolf back in uh, last year. He is the Hollywood Reporter and Newsweek writer that says that the media is losing to Donald, President Donald Trump because he is able to invoke 
action by the journalists who cover him. And he's also the author of the new book about his new book uh, about about the Trump's first year as president. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about his, his new book. And uh, not too good. Not, not good. Uh, okay. You're listening to Nature Talk. We're in the middle of of news. And views tonight. Here is another clip I'd like to play for you. Well, let's let's keep let's go on with keep with that. Stay with that subject. Here's Fire and Fury, author Michael Wolf. I'm doing a uh, interview on to on to on to the day show. This past week. Michael Wolf joins us now exclusively. Michael, good morning. Thank you for having me. Uh, the book is published as of 9 o'clock this morning. The president's lawyer sent a cease and desist letter threatening legal action against you and the publisher, to which you say? And they sent that yesterday before they actually had read the book. But but actually what I say is, is wait, where do I send the box of chocolates? You think he's helping you sell books? I, I, absolutely. I mean, and not only is he helping me sell books, but he's helping me prove the point of the book. I mean, this is extraordinary that a president of the United States would try to stop the publication of a book. This doesn't happen, has not happened from other presidents, would not even happen from a CEO of a mid-sized company. Well, the president, obviously, as you know, tweeted about you last night. He says, I authorize zero access to the White House, actually turned you down many times, said he never spoke to you for the book. It's full of lies, misrepresentations, and sources that don't exist. So as good a place to start as any. Did you talk to the what, president? What was I doing there if... Um, um, if he didn't want me to be there. Well, let me ask you, did you talk to the president? Did you interview him for this book? I, 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 absolutely, I absolutely spoke to the president. Whether he realized it was an interview or not, um, I, I don't know, but it certainly was not off the record. I did, and you spoke to him at the White House after he was sworn in? Uh, I spoke to him after the inauguration, yes. And I had spoken to, I mean, I've spent about uh, three hours with the president over the course of the campaign in, in the White House. So. My window into Donald Trump is, um, um, is pretty significant. But even more to the point, I spent this, I spent, and this was really sort of the point of the book, I spoke to people who spoke to the president on a daily, sometimes minute-by-minute minute basis. So this, this book was really, I mean, in a, sense, in a sense, there was one question on my mind when I began this book. What is it like to work with Donald Trump? How can you work with Donald Trump? And what is the, um, um, how do you feel? 
having worked with Donald Trump. And I want to get to the, the substance, what you've written in the book in a moment, but just to, to clear this up, because the president is saying it's full of lies, that you didn't have the access you said you had. You know, I think we, one of the things we have to, have to count on is that Donald Trump will attack, he will send lawyers letters. This is a, a, a 35-year history of how he approaches Everything. Do you have recordings of some of these interviews and some of these conversations? Well, I, I, I work like every journalist works, so I have recordings, I have notes. Um, I am certainly and absolutely in every way comfortable with everything I've reported in this. Book. Would you release any of those recordings since your credibility is being questioned? I, my, my credibility is being questioned by a man who has less credibility than perhaps anyone who has ever walked on earth at this point. Before I leave it, I will say the president, the tweet alludes to, quote, your past. It says, I, it, I assume it's referring to a profile about you in 2004 in the New Republic. The reporter said of you, the scenes in your writing aren't recreated so much as created, springing from Wolf's imagination rather than actual I, you know, I've written, I've written, um, I've written many books. I've written millions upon millions of words. I don't think there has ever been one correction. So you stand by everything in the book, nothing made up? Absolutely everything in the book. Let's talk about the book itself, because one of the overarching themes is that, according to your reporting, everyone around the president, senior advisors, family members, every single one of them, questions his intelligence and fitness for office. Let me, let me put a put a, a marker in the in the sand here, 100% of the people around him. Jared Kushner, his son-in-law, Ivanka Trump, question his fitness for office? Every time I, I uh, and, and I want to be careful about who I spoke to, because the nature of this kind of book is you kind of grant everyone a veil. But having, having said that, um, certainly Jared and Ivanka, in in their current situation, which is a, um, in a deep legal quagmire, are putting everything on the president. Not us. It's him. What, and what are some of the ways the president was described to you by those closest to him? You know, I will I will tell you the one description that that everyone gave. Everyone has in common. They all say he is like a child. And what they mean by that is he has an, a need for immediate gratification. It's all about him. I mean, this this letter for um, this cease and desist, desist letter, I mean, I still have sources in the White House, and I knew everybody was going, <laughs> we should not be doing this. This is not smart. And he just insists. He just has to be satisfied in the moment. You said that these senior people insult his intelligence. What are the kinds of things people would say? They say he's um, a, a moron, an idiot. Um, actually, there's a competition to sort of get to the bottom line here of who this man is. Let's remember, this man does not read, does not listen. So uh, he, he, he's, he's like a... Um, it's like a pinball, just, just just shooting off the side. One of the more disturbing observations you make in the book is that the president's close advisors, people around him, have noticed him repeating stories, expression for expression, you say, within a short period of time. In a shortened period. So they've all tracked this, that it used to be, um, I know people would point out that in the beginning it was like every 25 or 30 minutes you would get the same 
repeated. Now it's um, the same three stories in every 10 minutes. And, and what's the suggestion there? Because that goes beyond saying, okay, the president's not an intellectual. I mean, what, what, what are you arguing there? You say, for example, that he was at Mar-a-Lago and didn't recognize lifelong friends. I, he, I, I will quote Steve Bannon. He's lost it. Let's talk about Steve Bannon, because here's somebody who was on the record with you, made some pretty bold assertions, as you mentioned, has disparaged the president, and yet now, in the last couple of days, says he's a great man and nothing can separate us. What's Bannon doing well, here? I, I, I want to make one. I mean, the president has, has tried to put this. This book is about Steve Bannon. So let me, let me say very forthrightly, this book is not about Steve Bannon. This book is about Donald Trump. Um, as for Steve Bannon, and I spoke to Steve as I spoke to many people throughout the length of the reporting here, and really saw a, a, a transformation, not only of Steve, but of, of everyone. But Steve, in a way, is most vivid, or his language is, is, the, is the most vivid. And, very and the transformation was, you know, we thought this presidency was, could work. We thought Donald Trump is an interesting, unique character, and, and we might be able to do something here. And they saw him over that time come to the conclusion he cannot do this job. I am... Michael Wolf, who's author of his new book, Fire and Fury. This is the, um, the book about Trump's first year in office. Uh, let's see. Uh, here's a here's Stephen quote Stephen Colbert's take on this new Trump book. Grayson has moved farther off the East Coast, uh, further out to the east than meteorologists expected, possibly because they didn't want to compete with the storm in Washington D.C. Thanks to all the juicy revelations in the new book about the Trump presidency, fire and fury. Not to be confused with Amorosa's new book, Fired and Furious. <laughs> Yesterday, look mad. You look real mad. He's not look happy. He's not wrong now. Not look happy. Yesterday, yesterday, just yesterday, we got primo poop from former White House chief strategist and expired hamburger meat that wished to be a real boy, <laughs> Steve Bannon. Now, remember that meeting in Trump Tower between Jared uh, Manafort, Don Jr., and a Russian lawyer? They don't. But Steve Bannon does. And Bannon says it was treasonous. Oh, my. What is that? I agree with Steve Bannon. That old gypsy was right. And remember... Trump denied any knowledge of this Russian meeting. But Bannon said, the chance that Don Jr. did not walk these jamos up to his father's office of the 26th floor is zero, which is the same chance that there is a word jamo. 
I don't I don't know what Jamo means. Do you guys ever heard of Jamo? Oh, Jamo. No, I think it might be Spanish for Maga. <laughs> This this made Trump lose his, let's say, mind. He fired a vicious statement out yesterday claiming Bannon had nothing to do with me or my presidency. Again, here's Bannon with Trump in the Oval Office having nothing to do with them. That doesn't prove anything. I was just renting him the space in the White House for his pop-up Halloween store. He has absolutely no influence over me other than being my chief political strategist and convincing me to support an accused child molester for Senate. Of course, the White House has called everything in the book a lie. But yesterday, Trump's lawyer sent Bannon a cease and desist letter and accused Bannon of violating an agreement that prevented him from disclosing confidential information. Well, which is it? Is he lying, or is he disclosing confidential information? Steve, you promised you'd never tell anyone about those terrible things you saw me not do. Remember? And Bannon has caught holy hell from his own supporters. In the last 24 hours alone, candidates he endorsed have abandoned him. He lost his biggest billionaire donor, even the alt-right is turning its back on Steve Bannon. It's true. They're so embarrassed of Bannon that a lot of the alt-right have started covering their faces with hoods. And, yeah, they don't want to be seen. Yeah, yeah. Turn out the lights. They just walk around with torches. They're just so embarrassed. Now, remember, remember Mitch McConnell and Bannon have been butting heads like a couple of rams, with Bannon claiming just recently he was going to take McConnell down this year. Well, yesterday, on his Twitter feed, McConnell proved he was having the last laugh, or at least the last creepy smile. That is either, either pure schadenfreude or someone's feeding a turtle. Here comes the lettuce. So... Of course, it's not just Bannon. This book is loaded with the dish, including details of Donald and Melania's bedroom habits. Don't change the channel. It's not what you think. It turns out that the president and the first lady have separate bedrooms, the first first couple to do so since John and Jackie Kennedy, meaning Donald Trump has had just as much sex as JFK has had in the past year. But if... But if you're concerned that the president might have a mistress, don't worry. Apparently every night, if Trump was not having his 6.30 dinner with Steve Bannon, he was in bed by that time with a cheeseburger. I'm going to hope eating it and... I love you, hamburger. What? He's just licking out the special sauce. Now, hey, get your mind out of the drive-thru. And believe it or not, believe it or not, I know this is going to shock some of you, the guy who eats McDonald's in bed tends to make a mess. 
staff were instructed to not clean up after Trump, who said, if my shirt is on the floor, it's because I want it on the floor. Don't touch my floor shirts. There might be some leftover cheeseburger in there. <laughs> but, so, how? How did the author of this book, a journalist, Michael Wolf, get such access? From the president himself. Wolf says, quote, after the election, I proposed to Trump that I come to the White House and report an inside story for later publication, journalistically, as a fly on the wall. I'd like to just watch and write a book. A book, he responded, losing interest. I hear a lot of people want to write books. I wrote one just the other day. Maybe you've heard of it. It's called Mad Libs. And it's about a bumpy clown going to a slimy wedding. Pretty spooky stuff. Today, in the White House briefing room, everyone, of course, was eager to hear the White House response to this book. But first, there was a very special episode of the Hucka Sanders Propaganda Variety Hour. We have a message from a special guest that I'd like to share with you. I'll uh, ask you to tune into the screens, and then I'll continue from there. Thank you for being with us today. He's appearing on a video screen, even though he's 50 feet down the hallway. I have a message for the White House press corps. The call is coming from inside the house. Get out of there! I'm, I'm dizzy from the stupid. And it continued with Trump on two screens behind her. Isn't it bad enough that we have to watch this guy on TV? Why do we have to watch him on TV, on TV? That is just pure dictator behavior. But if he's going to do it, at least use it to give Sarah Huckabee Sanders answers some context. The president's economic agenda of lower taxes, less regulation, and more opportunity for all is already paying off, and American families and workers are the big winners. With that in mind, we have a message from a special guest that I'd like to share with you. These are all lies. We say lie, 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 lie. Thank you, Mr. President. we got a great show for you tonight. Dear Uncle Bear, you can see, you can watch him late, late show with Steve Uncle Bear. Check your, check your time and station for where you can, where you can uh, watch him. Nation Talk continues here on Talk Show and Jam Radio. They call, send letters, email, and visit your home. They're not friends or family. They're con artists, scammers, and criminals. In times like these, it's important to learn how to protect yourself. Credit card schemes, bogus investment opportunities, and free vacation scams are just a few ways that today's criminals target you and your family. Protect yourself. Never give anyone your social security number, credit card, or bank account information unless you initiated the call. Stay informed of current scams by contacting your Attorney General's Office and Better Business Bureau. If you're a victim, reporting the con to the local authorities will prevent others from suffering the same fate. To learn more about how to keep your family safe from con artists and scams, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice. 
National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. Hey everybody, Jamie Lee Curtis here for RAD, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. What should you do to stop a friend from driving if they've been drinking? Answer, whatever it takes. Think before you drink. Designate before you celebrate. Choose a designated driver. Remember, friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. Janine Marks, the 12-year-old, was fairly normal. She spent a lot of time online. One day, she met a new friend. The new friend had the same problems at home. They liked the same bands. They worried about the same subjects in school. They promised to keep each other's secrets. They wished they went to the same junior high. The new friend had good news. He said he was going to be in Janine's area one Saturday. He thought it would be amazing if they could just hang out, go to the mall. Janine agreed. The new friend didn't want parents messing this up. Janine showed up alone. So did her new friend, who wasn't in junior high, wasn't nice, and wasn't a 14-year-old boy. Every day, children are sexually solicited online. Help delete online predators. Call 1-800-THE-LOST or visit cybertipline.com to learn how to protect your kids' online life. A message from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and the Ad Council. This is Ann Graham Lotz with Daily Light for Daily Living. The best news ever is what Jesus promised in Hebrews 13:5. I will never leave you or forsake you. You and I can be where Jesus is now and for all eternity because he lives in us, and he has promised he will never leave us or forsake us. Others may leave us through death or abandonment, a spouse may leave us through divorce, or disease may threaten to rob us of someone we love. But we have God's presence. When the fire of adversity increases in intensity, you have God's presence. When you're overwhelmed by burdens or depression, by loneliness or betrayal, you have his presence. Think about it. There is not one place in the entire universe, visible or invisible, where Jesus is not. He is the great I am, fully present, age to age the same. This is Anne Graham Watts. You're listening to the Jam Radio Network with Minister Kenneth Jenkins. The views of the Nation Talk are not necessary the views of Talk to You, Jam Radio Productions, and its sponsors. This is Nation Talk. Uh, we're back with more. News of Views, Memphis Mega, Mega Church stands by pastor accused of sexually assaulting teenager, responding to a recent report that one of the pastors had allegedly sexually assaulted a 17-year-old girl while serving as a youth minister at his previous church. Leaders of Mega Church in Memphis, Tennessee, says they'll long know about this about this incident. They quote Chris Connolly, who's the lead pastor of High Point Church, says quote The information is not new to me or to our leadership. End quote. Um, earlier. 
that day, the Warburg Watch, a Christian blog, had published the account of a woman who accused Andy Savage teaching pastor at High Point of sexual abusing her in her in the late 1990s when she was a teenager. Connolly said, quote, on behalf of the elders, pastors, staff, and trustees of High Point, I want to affirm that we are 100% committed to, to Andy Savage and his continued ministry at High Point Church. And a quote, Kali said, stressing his total confidence in the redemptive process Andy went through after the sexual encounter. Savage, an author and podcast host, acknowledged the sexual incident in a statement of his own, saying, quote, I was and remained very remorseful for the incident and deeply regret the pain I, I, I caused her and her family, as well as the pain I caused the church in God's kingdom, he said. Quote. Neither Savage or High Point leaders immediately respond to HuffPost's request for comment. In the Wartburg blog post, the woman identified as well as Jules Woodson. So the incident with Savage occurred in the spring of 1998 when she was a senior in high school. One night, Savage, who was then the youth pastor of the church, the Wood, the Woodlands Parkway Baptist Church in Texas offered to drive her home after a church event, Woodson said, but took a detour about her consent or knowledge. Woodson said that she intentionally assumed we were going to get ice cream. After parking the vehicle, Savage unzipped his jeans and put out his he put out his penis. Woodson said he asked me to suck it. I was scared and embarrassed, but but I did it. I remember feeling that this must mean that Andy loved me. He then asked me to unbutton my shirt. I did. He started to touch me, open my bra, and then lifted my bra up. And begin touching my touching my breast. About five minutes, Woodson said Savage suddenly jumped out of the vehicle and ran and ran over to her. He fell on his knees and begged her to not not to tell anyone about about what had happened. Can't tell anyone, Jules. Please, you have. To take this to, to 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 the grave with you, she quoted him saying, quoted him as saying, 
In the days that followed, Woodson said she was consumed. She was consumed by fear, shame, anger, and hurt. She decided to tell church leaders about the alleged assault, but they engaged in a cover-up to protect her abuser and the image of the church. She alleged, according to Woodson, Savage was not immediately punished. For his behavior, and the church leadership only took action after she told members of of her all-women discipleship group some of what had transpired that that night with the with the youth pastor. Even then, however, the church never quote came out with its official statement address addressing what had happened and or what was being done about it. Whitson said, instead, they held a going-away reception for Andy at the church, which he was allowed to simply say that he had made a poor decision and that it was time for him to move on from our church. We have another incident that has happened at another at a, at a mega church that is. Now, because as you know, the Golden Globes Award is on as we speak. Uh, I'm getting got a few pop ups about about it. Uh, gotten a few pop ups. Um, what's going on? But I haven't, but I haven't as of yet uh, checked out what what was going on. So far, Allison Jenny um, wins Best Supporting Actress in a Motion Picture. That's all. That's all. I, that's all I, I know right now. And check this out: Eleven Euros taught a one million dollar investment. Give you. Man, I, this is this is going. This sounds interesting. This sounds interesting. How I taught a group of sixth graders to trade stocks. Oh, oh this is just an advertisement. Okay. That was just an advertisement. It looks like um, looks like Trump is not. He's really not happy with uh, the book. <laughs> uh, he's not. He's not happy with that book. 
Meanwhile, this is, this is coming from the Miami Herald. Passengers flying into Miami International Airport should feel comfortable that three luggage thieves suspects have been arrested and charged with a combined eight counts of grand theft. But passengers should should feel a little less comfort, comfortable at the, at the ease with, with such which Anna Cobine, Wilbert Cabrera Valdez, and Madelia de Martin Carriers stole an estimate of 23700 worth of travel, travelers' property, according to police. Or that Cabrera's Valdez admitted to stealing bags from MIA through November and December before being arrested New New Year's Day. Miami residents Miami resident Columbine faces facing two counts of third degree grand theft charges. Has been released after posting a five thousand dollar bond on Sunday. Vera Valdez of Hialeah uh was taken uh, was taken to Metro West Detention Center on five counts of third degree grand theft when arrested he was six months into a into a two year probation for possession of controlled substance grand theft auto not the game but the crime possession of a stolen stolen driver's license and carrying a concealed weapon. Martin Carras two-year probation, which she stated last March was for possession for a which she started last for possession of a stolen driver's license. Now, let me see, this, this has audio, this may have audio of how men sneaks in, how the men sneak onto, what? There was a man who, who sneaked, sneaks in onto a luggage, luggage carousel, runs onto Terramac at Miami International Airport. Oh my goodness! It just got real crazy in Miami, which I which uh, which I'm not really surprised. <laughs> they got some folks stealing luggage and other people's stuff. 
Strange. Really strange. I, I think this may have a... This was on a... November the 4th of last year. The video was edited by the Herald. By, by the Miami Herald. When we come back, when we come back to a hell and farewell, right after we take this break, this is this nation. I'm in the car next to you on the highway. I sit in front of you on the bus. I'm one out of every six Americans, and I'm struggling with hunger. This isn't an uncontrollable epidemic. There's enough food in this country to feed every hungry person. Please, visit feedingamerica.org today and find your local food bank. Every dollar you donate helps provide seven meals for those around you, quietly struggling with hunger. Together, we're Feeding America. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. I'm Vince Gill for RAD, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. Real life's not a song. In less than it takes to play my latest hit, someone will be killed or injured in an alcohol-related crash. So next time you're out with someone who's been drinking, don't let them take the wheel. Take the keys instead. Sad stories make great songs, but happy endings make better lives. That's why friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council.
and Jerry Van actor Jerry Van Dyke. Here's a hell of a farewell to Erica. Welcome back, true seeker. It's December 30th, 2017. Every December 30th, there's some headline that's targeting black individuals, shaming them, a tragedy. It never fails. Every year, this happens. And every year I'm making a video on this day explaining why. So, this year, December 30th, 2017, the story is the daughter of Eric Garner has died. Just two days ago, it was that she had a heart attack and suffered brain damage. Now today, she's passed away from complications due to that heart attack. And... Brother Sam and here at Viral Hip Hop News. Do me a favor, family, before we get started with the content, y'all know what to do. Go up top and hit that like button. All right, so we got some unfortunate news coming out today from the Garner family. Erica Garner, political activist and daughter of Eric Garner, has died today at the age of 27, according to a message from her official Twitter account. Now, Erica suffered a heart attack on December 24th before going into cardiac arrest and suffering brain damage from a lack of oxygen. She passed away earlier this morning. Now, it seems like somebody from the Garner family jumped on her Twitter this morning to officially announce that she passed away. Quote, the person on Twitter, she passed away this morning. The reports are real. We did not deserve her. That was a tweet read from her Twitter account, where she had been providing updates on her condition throughout the week. When you report that she remembers she was human, a mother, daughter, sister, aunt, her heart was bigger than the world. It really, really was. She cared what most people wouldn't have. She was good. She only pursued right no matter what. No one gave her justice. Now, Erica was an important voice in the fight against police brutality towards people of color. Her father, Eric Gardner, was obviously, as we all remember, killed by police in 2014 when he was placed in a department band chokehold after being approached for selling cigarettes. His last words, I can't breathe, reminisced throughout the country and throughout the world which we can hear on the video, obviously, of the killing. It became a rallying point for the Black Lives Matter movement. Gardner's death was ruled a homicide, but the NYPD officer was not indicted on criminal charges by a grand jury. As his eldest daughter, Erica, rose to prominence as an activist following her father's death, this happened, and now we're obviously sitting in a terrible situation where we obviously lost her now. She was a mother of two. She recently gave birth in August to her son, Eric. She also had an eight-year-old daughter. So very sad, sad news coming out of the Garner family camp. Much condolences and prayers go out to the Garner family. We all hope that they're doing well at this time. Y'all leave a comment in the comment section and let me know what y'all think of the terrible passing of Erica Garner. Also, I down there, you'll see links to our Twitter homepage as well as our new homepage. Make sure you subscribe to all the movements. I appreciate it as well as the brand-new website, hiphopun.com. Go subscribe to that as well. I appreciate it. Always trying to keep it raw, real, and cut. Till next time, until next story, we are out of here. Rest in peace, Erica Garner. Peace. This is a interview 
that she did on uh, February the third, twenty sixteen. I'm gonna play a little bit of of this of this interview that she did on uh, on the Breakfast Club on Power One O Five Point One for supporting Bernie Sanders and remembering her father. You're watching The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ MV Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We have a special guest in the building. That's right. Erica Gardner, daughter of Eric Gardner. What's up, Erica? What's up, y'all? How are you? I'm good. Now, I saw I was reading an article in the Washington Post. It was by, um, hold on, let me get the name right. Oh, Terrell Starr. And he was saying that he was a skeptic of Bernie Sanders until... He heard you and a few other black women women speak. Now, what do you have to say about Bernie Sanders and endorsing him? Um, if black people want to change in America, if they believe in themselves and they want to stand, um, they want someone to speak up about their issues, vote for, vote for Bernie. Um, if you look at his record, he got a long record of standing with black people, um, not only when it's popular, not only as a political pawn. He's been in this work for a long time, Marshall and Martin Luther King. Uh, standing behind Jesse Jackson when it wasn't popular, when Martin Luther King was um, considered by the FBI as the biggest threat in America. He was marching with Martin Luther King. And um, he has a lot of, he's addressing a lot of our black issues. Yeah, he's not He's not just telling us things that we want to hear because it's dream-selling season and he's trying to get to get our votes. He's been out here doing it. Yeah, he's been out doing it for a long time. And I didn't know much about Bernie, but I believe um, if most people, you know, do the research and look at his record, it will speak for itself. They will be convinced just like uh, Terrell was. How many politicians have come to you trying to get your endorsement? None, and not even Bernie. Um, I reached out to him like a month ago, and we've been in close with his um, campaign team back and forth, and all I wanted to do was help. What inspired you to reach out to him? What was it that happened Um, that he said? The... The Black Lives Matter in Seattle and the way he handled the situation, and um, he's not—he's not—he's uh, not lecturing us. He's not taking us to the back room. He's not telling us what we should think. He's—he's he's listening. He's open to listening, and I believe—I believe that um, if we stand behind him, even if he's just saying saying things that you're not believing, if you sit down with him, talk with him. He will listen, and it's our job, job as a people to hold him accountable for anything that he says. So what did you find or what did you hear that made you want to reach out to him? Like what in specific, just that Black Lives Matter Seattle, that, is that what made you want to reach out to him um, and be part of his team? And his history, mm-hmm. learning about his history. And um, it's not something that he specifically said, mm-hmm. but he's fighting for a better education, free education. Um, he specifically said um, from K to 12 is free education, but... Um, when you go to get higher education, black people especially, we we in debt. We more in debt than real estate. All right, that was um, that's an interview of uh, uh, Erica Gardner, who passed away. She she was the daughter of Eric Gardner, who we all know. Who was um, 
bad or harassed by the police. She was an activist, civil rights activist. Oh, that she read this quote quote. Even with my own heart heartbreak, when I demand justice, it's never just for Eric Gardner. It's for my daughter. It's for the next generation African African Americans. End quote. Uh, other hearing farewell is actor Jerry Van Dyke. You might remember him from the TV show Coach, but so you may not know. Uh, the name, the last name Van Dyke, sounds may sound familiar. His brother. Dick, who, of course, as you know, from the Dick Van Dyke show. Jerry Van Dyke, who died this this past week, he was 86 years old. Actor Jerry Van Dyke has died. He was the younger brother of actor Dick Van Dyke, but was famous in his own right for his role on the hit series Coach. I don't give a damn about the rankings. And there better not be anybody on this team who feels any differently. His acting as assistant coach Luther Van Dam earned him four Emmy nominations over the course of the show's nine seasons. Van Dyke played guest parts in other sitcoms and movies throughout his career, including on his brother's namesake show back in the 60s. The two reunited on screen for the last time on the ABC show, The Middle, in 2015. His wife reportedly said he died of heart failure at their Arkansas ranch Friday. Jerry Van Dyke was 86. They call, send letters, email, and visit your home. They're not friends or family. They're con artists, scammers, and criminals. In times like these, it's important to learn how to protect yourself. Credit card schemes, bogus investment opportunities, and free vacation scams are just a few ways that today's criminals target you and your family. Protect yourself. Never give anyone your social security number, credit card, or bank account information unless you initiated the call. Stay informed of current scams by contacting your Attorney General's office and Better Business Bureau. If you're a victim, reporting the con to the local authorities will prevent others from suffering the same fate. To learn more about how to keep your family safe from con artists and scams, visit ncpc.org. That's ncpc.org. A message from the U.S. Department of Justice, National Crime Prevention Council, and the Ad Council. Thanks for listening. That's it for us. This has been Nation Talk. This has been Nation Talk, a public affairs and news program that airs Sunday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Be sure to join us next Sunday for another Nation Talk here on TalkShoe and Jam Radio. Nation Talk is presented, is produced by Jam Radio Productions Presentation. Once again, thank you so much for joining us and downloading us. One Inspirations on January 2.1 is in the morning, 6 a.m. Until then, God bless you. 
and thanks for listening. You're